Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If the God of the Bible really exists, I would go gladly to hell. And anybody happy to go to heaven to worship such a creature is morally bankrupt. It is because God's wrath is real that his mercy is relevant. Unless you have a real wrath, the biblical concepts of mercy and of grace are robbed of their meaning. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is not an if question. This is a why question. And this is Wretched Radio. Not excited to share with you what you're about to hear or see because it is downright disgusting. Then Friel, why are you sharing it? Because it is making its way virally throughout the internet. Because this fellow who is a pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who has 1.6 million YouTube followers, a best-selling book, which is basically Word of Faith, Name It and Claim It, Prosperity Repackaged under the banner of Crazy Faith. If you have baby faith, not many good things are going to happen. But if you have crazy faith, then God will do crazy things. I'm speaking about Michael Todd. He has been growing in popularity since he hit the stage, and I chose that word intentionally. And now he is really coming under scrutiny because of what he did in church on Sunday morning. Frankly, it doesn't matter where you do. This is just downright disgusting and inappropriate. And people are rightly criticizing him. But my question is not, is this disgusting? The question is, why am I not thrilled? Why do I maybe even have righteous indignation? That is the question that I think we would do well to answer. In order to do that, I'm going to share with you Pastor Michael Todd. With a, it, it's, it's rumored that it's his brother on the stage, but it's another man on the stage whose eyes are closed. Michael spits into his hand and then rubs the spit all over his face. There it is. I said it. Now you're going to hear it. And I would like for you to think through not just the disgusting nature of what was done, but why is this so bad? There's more to it, no pun intended, than what meets the eye. Changing something and you don't see it clearly yet. But you hit. <laughs> My apologies. The sound you heard is what you imagine it was. He spit into his hand. We'll just leave it at that. And the audience is, whoa, uh oh, what's going on here? They're disgusted. Does that deter him? No. No, it doesn't. Please note, Michael Todd's big thing, the banner that he tends to carry regularly is vision. You've got to have a vision. You've got to have crazy faith. You've got to have a vision of things. You've got to be able to see what's coming. Imagine it so that you can achieve it. Again, a repackaged version of word faith heresy. But he loves for you to have a, if you don't have a vision, you got, so I'm going to teach you how to get a vision. What's wrong with that? What, what theological issue is he touching on that isn't being revealed on the surface? And he's not going to come out and say it, but that he is clearly implying. We continue. 
And this is where most people would not face Jesus anymore. Is in Mark chapter 8, the healing of the blind man. What most people would do is turn away. (coughs) (sighs) (sighs) Honestly. What, What I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is just as he's physically standing here, knowing what's coming. God's saying, can you physically and spiritually and emotionally be able to stand when getting the vision or receiving it might get nasty? Okay, this is to overrule 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scriptures inspired by God, profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction and righteousness, that the man of God might be equipped for every good work. No, you need a vision and God is going to give it to you. Uh, This was a trend I was hoping had evaporated by now, but apparently not a pastor gets a vision and that becomes the church's vision. And if you don't get in alignment with his vision, then you're out of here. That's a part of the problem of what he is doing. But what else is at stake in this ridiculous thing? I guess he would call a sermon. I'm going to say it in a point just like that. Receiving vision from God might get nasty. Receiving vision from God might get nasty. Go ahead. Name that verse. You mean, God, I just bought in crazy faith. Mm-hmm. I just bought my dream car. And now you're going to ask me to sell it back and ride in the hoopty again? <sighs> yeah, because the vision I'm about to give you, it might get nasty. <laughs> now he's rubbing spit on the guy's face. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, You laugh, you cry, or you have righteous indignation. But why? Some people responding to this video were so upset because it's the season of COVID. He could have made the fellow sick. Okay, fine. I, I don't care to contest that. Other people, of course, are simply disgusted by what was witnessed by everybody. Even the congregation seems to get, uh, dude, mm-hmm. By the way, in fairness, Pastor Michael Todd has apologized, but it didn't really feel much like an apology. Hey, hey, with huge smile, very charismatic fellow, small C charismatic fellow. He's smiling. Hey, okay, so I kind of I kind of went too far on this one. Kind of went too far. People are rightly saying, no, 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 this is absolutely ridiculous. There is no excuse for this. But why did it happen? Well, because that's what you do when you do not rely on the sufficiency and the power of the Bible. And that's what's going on here. He doesn't preach the word. He puts on a show. He has to have a physical illustration. Otherwise, people aren't going to get their vision. They're not going to get it. This is a demonstration of somebody who does not lean on the authority and the power of Scripture, adding to it because you can have a dream or vision and turning it into a play. But those reasons have one that I think 
trumps all of them, if that's possible. And I, I mean, I mean that in a small T trumps kind of way, because I know how upsetting that can be. The issue that I think is most offensive here that is most disgusting is not that the congregation was offended because they should have been. I hope they were. It's not that everybody who's watching this on YouTube was offended. I I suspect they were. God was offended. God was being made a mockery in this disgusting thing called a sermon. God is the one who takes it. Does the church take a knock? Yes. Adam Carolla does a podcast. He's not a professing Christian. He played this clip. And of course, it's fodder for all kinds of mockery and it deserves that, quite honestly. But the world sees this, and the commentary basically was, see, this is why I don't go to church right here. This is, this is exactly why I run away from the place. It was interesting to me. Adam Carolla actually said, you know, don't put on a show. Adam Carolla gets it. Don't put on a show. Just read the Bible. Tell me about it. We'll pray and get out of there again. I don't believe that he's a professing Christian, but his observation was this is gimmickry. This is this is fadism. And it went too far. And whilst we're all offended, what should trouble us about this is the offense to God. This does not make the church shine. Do we wonder why? Pastors, when it comes to polling on what people we respect in this country, they're 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 down near the bottom of the barrel. They're like by lawyers. I'm sorry, my attorney friend. They're just way down. It's it's like prostitutes and pastors are are esteemed about the same way in our country. What has happened? This has happened. This is this is what has happened. It besmirches the church. It makes a mockery out of pastoral ministry in the office of elder. It undermines the sufficiency of scripture. It is teaching falsehood. These people who go to this guy thinking, well, if I follow his vision, create my own and it's crazy, then God's going to deliver. And this inevitably results in fury because God doesn't. And they're trying to clean up the outside of the cup. God doesn't deliver on their crazy faith. And what are they to do but get angry? But I think preeminent in all of this, we should have righteous indignation about this. And not as not because it was merely disgusting, but because a supposed minister of God uses his word to put on a revolting show in order to attract more followers, YouTube visitors or whatever else his agenda might be should cause us to say, you know, I know why Paul named names. We should too. We should call them out because while I am disgusted, God was supremely offended. This is Wretched Radio. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare. Affordable Biblical Health Sharing has a 98% approval rating. 
400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. It's another day and another Wretched Radio. Hey, thank you for listening and supporting our efforts to reach the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're appreciative of your support and time and never take either for granted. Both are valuable resources that we're all called to steward carefully. And considering our time, I know as truth seekers, sometimes we can have the tendency to shy away from wasting it and spending a lot of it on things that are fictional. I know that's certainly true of my walk. I've never given a lot of my time over to reading fiction. That is until Todd recommended a book by Randy Alcorn called Safely Home. As I began to read Safely Home, honestly, I couldn't put it down. And though the study and characters are fictional, the depiction of life for Christians in communist China is very much accurate. This book will help reorganize your theology and enhance your walk. Grab your copy of Randy Alcorn's Safely Home now in the Wretched store at wretched.org. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Permit me to introduce you to Brie and Salvation Dominoes preborn style. When one person gets saved, they have that burning desire to just make him known the same way that was made known to them. And then it's just this domino effect. Brie currently volunteers at a preborn life center. How did she get saved? From a friend whose mother got saved at, you guessed it, a preborn life center. Why? Because preborn, it is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. And look at the domino effect. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 988 AD. After examining several religions, Vladimir, Prince of Kiev, chooses Orthodox Christianity to unify and guide the Russian people. Even after a century of atheistic communist rule, orthodoxy remains at the core of life in Eastern Europe to this day. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. My apologies, but I do believe there is something that we can learn and actually be encouraged by. This is Wretched Radio. Pastor Michael Todd disgustingly spit in his hand and rubbed his saliva all over the face of a member of his congregation. People are disgusted. We should be righteously angry because of what this does to the word of God, the local church, the office of elder and God's character and nature. It makes a complete mockery out of all of those items. But we also see a demonstration of preaching that is so predominant these days. This is the style of preaching that attracts millions. And as you listen to this disgusting presentation, just ask yourself, what is he what is he talking about? 
Can you even understand it? It's so connected to what he's doing physically on the stage that without the visual, you're kind of like, well, that isn't even really coherent. Let's listen to Michael Todd as he preaches on supposedly Mark chapter eight, where Jesus used his own spittle mixed with dirt to put it on the eyes of a blind man to heal him. This is how Michael Todd interpreted it, because apparently God wants to give you a vision, but be careful. Could get nasty, I'll yeah, say. because the vision I'm about to give you, it might get nasty. Uh-huh. Putting spit on his face. Rubbing it all over. Oh, and now it's, you, oh, oh. Do you hear oh. and see the responses of the people? <laughs> what, what I'm telling you is how you just reacted. It's how the people in your life will react. When God is doing what it takes what? for the miracle, what are you saying? Uh, yeah, right. This man was blind. And what he was trying to do with this man is give him his DNA. Let's contrast that to Phil Johnson, the executive director of A Grace to You, preaching on the very same text. Enjoy. But I want to show you that even in the mundane way Jesus healed this guy, his glory is revealed. Why did Jesus use this method? Well, for one thing, it makes a good picture of the gospel. It's offensive. It goes against propriety and common sense. It offends our sense of good taste. It's, this is the last method you would expect God to choose. In the judgment of our worldly wisdom, it seems foolish. It's a stumbling block and, and an offense to our sense of decorum and refinement. It's crude. And yet, it was perfectly acceptable to Christ's purposes. Underneath the crass and uncouth outward appearance of this act, you have a, a tremendous amount of divine wisdom. Suppose Jesus had used a more refined method of healing the man. Suppose he had reached into a bag and taken out an alabaster vial of glycerin or oil and, and delicately put drops in the man's eyes and the man received his sight from that. What do you think the result would have been? Everybody would have said, what wonderful medicine. What is that stuff? Where can I get some of that? The focus would have been on the elixir. The cure would have been ascribed to the eye drops rather than to the power of God. But the way Jesus heals this man, no one would ever say, the mud did it. <laughs> you know, or it was the spit. Instead, the glory goes to Christ where it rightfully belongs. He deliberately chose means that were commonplace and menial. He deliberately did what was unconventional instead of an elaborate ceremony or a cultured and polished ritual. He chose means that people might think unsanitary, messy, maybe even indecent. But again, this parallels how God works through the gospel. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. That's 1 Corinthians 1, verses 27 through 29. I mean, think about it. The atonement 
itself is regarded by many in this world, and even many who call themselves evangelicals can't stand the biblical idea of atonement because they say it's a it's a, it's an ugly, embarrassing, appalling idea, a blood sacrifice involving the death of God's own son on a cross of shame to pay the price of sin in such a public and inglorious way. We just sang that song on the cross when Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. You know, there are people who propose changing the words to that song because they think it just seems unseemly to think that the wrath of God was satisfied through the death of Christ. But the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18. And what's more, the means by which Jesus healed this guy seems counterproductive, right? Who would ever think that putting mud in a man's eyes would help him to see? The clay is actually an impediment to the light and an irritant to the eye. This is no way anyone would heal blindness. Besides, clay is inert. It, it has no healing power or efficacy, no matter how much mud some of the women put on their face. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> Phil! 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 I didn't mean that in any... Too late. But back to this. <laughs> Better hurry. The healing power is not in the dirt. It's not even in the spittle. The efficacy came from the power of Christ. Why did he do it this way? Well, there may be a couple of reasons. Remember, this miracle comes in a context where Jesus is repeatedly proclaiming his deity and getting in trouble for it. What better proof of his deity than a miracle that shows his creative power? Remember how God made Adam in the first place? Genesis 2-7, the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Here it was as if Christ took some of that same dust of the ground and fashioned new eyes for this man. It was a creative miracle, regenerating eyes that had never seen before and never been able to see. What better proof of Jesus' deity? Perhaps another reason Jesus chose this means was to demonstrate that he is Lord even of the Sabbath. According to verse 14, this occurred on the Sabbath, like so many of the healing miracles of Jesus. And in this case, he actually made clay. And this was a deliberate breach of the Pharisees' rules. Right. They saw it as a work, and it was. Remember, Jesus himself said so in verse 4. But it was not the kind of work that was supposed to be forbidden on the Sabbath. Matthew 12, verse 12, Jesus had reminded them, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. But that infuriated these legalistic Pharisees, even when they knew the miracle itself couldn't be gainsaid. Nobody could question or disprove what Jesus had done. So they turned their hostility against Christ into an accusation of blasphemy, as if the miracle itself were not proof of his deity. In verse 16, some of the Pharisees say, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. And there you see the hard-heartedness of unbelief. These men hated the master workman because his works violated their man-made Sabbath restrictions. 
They rejected the light of the world because they loved darkness rather than light. They spurned the great physician because they didn't like his diagnosis of their spiritual infirmities. And so they shut themselves off from his power and his light and his healing. And on the other hand, here you also see the blessedness of simple faith. Verse 7, after Jesus anoints the man's eyes with clay, Jesus says to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Wouldn't you love to continue hearing the rest of an actual sermon? Contrast what you just heard, the handling of God's word, the understanding of God's word, the helpful nature of God's word with a man who spit into his hand, big and nasty, to rub it all over the face of a member of his congregation. I got to tell you, I would like to think that if a public school teacher did that in a public school, uh, there would be criminal charges. But what do we see in evangelical Christianity? Yeah, there's there's definitely critique of this fellow. There's definitely a knowledge that this was inappropriate. But this, among many other things, was also a demonstration of what preaching has devolved into and why we see so many people struggle in their walk, in their life. You know, I would even say even getting saved. This type of preaching has zero power that we are, we heard from Pastor Michael Todd. Zero power. The snippet you just heard from Phil Johnson can actually go to work on your life because it was actually the word of God preached into your life. If we wondered why do so many people that call themselves Christians not act like it? I think the answer could be found in the pulpit. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. If somebody has $500 and they've already paid taxes on it, and they give it to me, so now just because it goes from them to me, I also have to pay taxes on it, even though they they just did. So every single dollar, like, hold on. Just forget it. Uh, Yeah, I feel the exact same way about taxes. A Christian pastor says he was harassed out of his job as a school caretaker over a tweet where he said Christians and children should not attend LGBT pride events. He resigned his job, he says, after his school began to investigate his Twitter posts. The Christian Legal Center is representing the Cambridge pastor. I guess it's only okay to have your own opinions as long as you agree with evil. If you disagree with evil, well, then you can't feed your family. And that's what's truly evil. We recently shared a story with you about a school system in Moline, Illinois, that has allowed an elementary school in its district to form an after-school satanic club for first through fifth graders. In an update, the district has come to the defense of the school, saying that they will not discriminate against anyone who wishes to rent their facilities, including religious groups. And that is a lie. How do I know? Let a group of quote-unquote reformed rapists or child molesters attempt to rent their facilities and see how quickly they discriminate then. Parents, I know I tell you this frequently, but you really should consider the ramifications of public school versus homeschool. I know every family situation is different. Every school system is different. 
But at the very least, at this point in time, this should be a conversation that happens in every home. Today during dismissal, my co-teacher was talking to one of our students and I didn't really hear like the whole conversation or anything, but the part that I did hear was, but you're a woman though. And I looked at her and she looked at me and then she put her hands on her hips and she was like, but how do you know that? Like, how do you know? I'm not a woman. How do you know that? And I was just dying. But like, it was also really nice to see that she just stood there and questioned like this kid's assumption of, of, you know, like gender expression and gender identity and all this stuff. And it was nice to just see that happening in a conversation that I was not a part of. Like, shout out to you. Ah, it's so nice. It is so nice to watch an adult who wants to play pretend 24-7 argue with a curious child with an impressionable mind. That's just so refreshing, isn't it? Uh, More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The prophet Jeremiah preached judgment and repentance to Judah for more than 40 years. He was mocked, beaten, and imprisoned. But in the end, God's judgment came upon Judah. When you hold fast to the Word of God, you will be heartbroken, mocked, and even persecuted. But let Jeremiah remind you that every word of God will prove true. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This was a group effort. That means... We all get a ribbon. This is Wretched Radio. For a couple of weeks, I've been pondering. You've been contributing to coming up with a moniker that describes our current philosophical age. There's the age of empiricism. There's the age of reason. There's the age of romanticism, etc. We, in my opinion, and I'm going to make that case, have entered a new chapter And I believe we would do well to come up with a name for it so that people can start to see it more regularly. Here are some of the contributions that you sent in to describe our current era. (laughs) This was sent in. This was sent in from Dorothy. Delusion revolution. Road to extinction. Days of the Devil's Deception. That's 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 got a lot of truth in it. In fact, I would even add another D word so that we can have some crazy alliteration and division. He is really using deception to divide a lot these days. And Dorothy kind of concluded her list with, or we could just call it the end times. I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with that, Dorothy. Now, this was sent in from Christian. The new dawn in history is called Babylon 2.0. Yep, because we ain't on the right side of history. We're regressing in history. We're going backwards morally, socially, culturally, in every regard. A long list was sent in from John. The age of church compromisation. Age of the forgotten gospel, age of individual authority. That is most certainly true, isn't it? The autonomous self, that is a part of the deception. We believe that we are masters of our own universe, captains of our own destiny. The age of blindness or spiritual blindness. Those are good. Age of separation from general morality. Mm -hmm. Age of unity 
against God. Now I think we're getting really, really warm. All of these descriptors are accurate. This one is starting to come, in my opinion, near the bullseye of the era that we are currently living in. Finally, John offered anti-God. It's just anti-God. And I agree with that. But I would say rather than anti-God, most worldviews, most philosophical systems end with an ism, empiricism, rationalism, romanticism, postmodernism. So how's about anti-deism? This is the anti-deism era because we have moved. And I don't think many people would argue with that. It is, it is no longer polite. The the desire to kick God off of his throne, it's not subtle anymore. Yeah, that is exactly what we want. And that is precisely what we see. And I would like to make the case that we are indeed living in an anti-deism world. Headline. Mm. School district defends decision to allow after school Satan club. As <laughs> a grade school and in the lobby, you can put up flyers and you can put you can have your materials distributed there so that people can partake of your activity, which you do inside of the school, because the school has a policy. If we do it for one, we do it for all. And so the Satan is catching on to VBS catching on with the idea of, hey, let's bring kids in and and we'll love on them. We'll give them treats and we're going to teach them the Bible. Well, that's what the Satan Club is attempting to do. They received approval from this particular school district. People, of course, are belly aching. The school responded and said, this district does not discriminate against any groups. Hmm. That's a lie. I think so, too. Let a uh, let a uh, reformed rapist group or something of that nature want to have a meeting on the school and see how quickly they discriminate. You know, Jimmy, I hate to say it, but I don't know that they would hmm. yeah, I, I, because they would they would common sense has gone flying out of the window. That's, that is true. And, and you can't be judgmental or critical about anything. Remember, this is the autonomous self era. So I Jimmy, as ridiculous as what you just said is i'm not sure that a school district would shut that down now Mm. here's maybe maybe all right you see what you think of this one jimmy okay maybe if it were some sort of it's it's the it's the it's the political uh ideology that uh the guy with the that little mustache that looked like a caterpillar underneath his nose yeah that created world war ii because i can't say his name because that could get us kicked off platforms like it did for an entire year on Facebook. <laughs> but I'll bet. And see, that's why I maybe think that if you did, had something with his name in it hmm. or something with the party name in it, that might cause them to go, no, we're not going to do that. But their motivation the way that they would be able to get out of their own clause of inclusion would be hey, um, that's disinformation. We don't want people to be offended because that's still a sin in the book of the anti-deism crowd. They might have some exceptions. I I suspect there would be something that they would have to go. No. Yeah. They, they, they let in the Christian. They let in the evangelical. By the way, this this is what we should expect more and more. I mean, I didn't think I'd see the Satan Club. <laughs> no, I didn't either. <laughs> there it is. 
Story number two that reveals we are living in an anti-deism era. Just going to. Just going to take some deep cleansing breaths. If this story doesn't cause us to consider how we are speaking to the government, I don't know what story will. We, we don't want to do it with, with vitriol, like we're just torqued at the government. But this story to me is one of those government, you better listen up very carefully. Your ruler is going to judge you. And a special place in hell has been prepared for those who take the lives of innocent children. And your legislation that you just signed, Governor, belongs in the bowels of hell because it it is so light years past what is not just commonsensical, but what is internally moral, which should be observably horrific. But God hates when innocent people are put to slaughter. Repent, governor. Repent, New Jersey legislation. Turn from your sins. Put your trust in Jesus Christ and then start doing the right thing. Headline, New Jersey governor signs bill legalizing abortion up to moment of birth. (laughs) How anti-God is that? How anti-life is that? How anti-good is that? I, I don't know that you can come up with a better demonstration. And this should cause us to start thinking about what is the message to the church? I think we need to remember that when we do speak into the realm of authority called the government, that we do it prophetically, not predicting the future, but the way that the prophets of the Old Testament and John the Baptist would herald a message, repent. And by the way, if you are still under the impression that repentance means that you don't turn from your sins, you just change your mind. The other night in my 62 hours of private quiet time, I was reading through the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. John the Baptist is baptizing, and it is called a baptism of repentance. Listen to how the details describe what repentance actually is. He said to the multitudes who came to be baptized, a brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Repentance isn't just, okay, I've been wrong all along. No, you're going to turn, start doing the right thing. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. And then he, so the people asked him saying, what shall we do then? Repentance involves turning of the will, mind, emotions unto righteousness and good deeds. He answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give him to the one who asks. And he who has food, let him do likewise. The tax collectors came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said, collect no more than what is appointed you. Likewise, soldiers said, what shall we do? Because repentance isn't a mere changing of the mind. It's a changing of the will the emotions, our thinking, and our attitudes. That's what repentance is. And that should be our message to the government, predominantly. Uh, There's other things you can say. I I think we should 
We should do it, though, with our Bibles in hand, proclaiming this is wickedness. This is anti-God. This is murdering children up until birth. I, I, you've perhaps seen, I think it was some senator or congressperson saying, so let me get this straight. If a baby is coming out of the womb, as long as their foot is still in the mother, we can take the life. Yep. Does it get any more anti-God than that? And yet I have not yet begun to build my case that we are living in an anti-deism world. Next on Wretched Radio. Time. It really is a precious commodity for all of us. We have to be intentional about stewarding our time wisely. And it may be that you have determined that reading a fiction book isn't being a good steward of your time. Well, if I may, not only is reading Randy Alcorn Safely Home worth your time, it is profoundly worth your time and effort to read. And look, don't just take my word for it. Todd says that this book will reorganize your Christian theology and literally enhance your walk. With Safely Home, not only will you find a remarkable story, but you're also going to find a thorough gospel presentation, perfect for believers and non-believers alike. So pick up your copy of Randy Alcorn's Safely Home right now at The Wretched Store. Just log on to wretched.org. That's wretched.org. And see for yourself that reading fiction doesn't have to be a waste of time. It can actually be a blessing to you. Wretched.org. Hey, Tomorrow Club supporter, this message from Paul Marty, the director of the Tomorrow Clubs, is just for you. You know, it's been more than 25 years now since my wife, Cindy, first brought leaders and kids together for the very first Tomorrow Club. Hundreds of thousands of lives have been touched. We're grateful for all the ways you help kids in forsaken places learn to follow Jesus. Thank you for your support of the Tomorrow Clubs. $30 a month, Disciples 30 Kids in Eastern Europe and now in Africa, where Tomorrow Clubs anticipates they could be opening up a hundred new clubs in a year. Would you please consider becoming a Tomorrow Club supporter? Kids clubs that meet in forsaken places, they get loved on, they hear the gospel, they memorize Bible verses, and they're getting saved. To support your own Tomorrow Club, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. It's New Year's resolution time. But before you make yours, I have a different type of challenge for you. How about instead of resolving to be a better person this year, you instead commit to leaving a legacy for Christ. And one surefire way you can do just that is by becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner. Currently, Wretched Radio and TV is seen and heard on nearly 1,000 stations combined worldwide. The second season of Road Trip to Truth has just been released with season Season 3 in production, solving the God puzzle on its way to 1 million copies distributed and transformed our latest TV series highlighting biblical counseling is set to debut later this year. We're striving to reach people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and we're only able to do that with the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider joining us? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details. Wretched.org slash donate. Attributes of God Aseity is the word for God's self-existence. Nobody made God. God is the unmoved mover. 
who causes all other things to be. All things depend on God for their continued existence. God does not need His creation. He chose to create us, to glorify Him, and enjoy Him forever. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Not to make light of this, but a good dose of mockery might not hurt. This is Wretched Radio. New Jersey governor signs bill legalizing abortion up to the moment of birth. Quote, in New Jersey, we must let we must trust each individual person to make their reproductive choices for themselves. In other words, the reason that this legislation, this grotesque anti-God legislation was passed is because we need to let people make their own health decisions. <laughs> Except with COVID, we'll do that for you. See, it's just not consistent. They're, they're, just a com- they're complete floundering, but it doesn't matter because I think the ultimate agenda behind each one of these stories is anti-God. There's no consistency. There can't be. It has to be incoherent because it is incoherence. These stories all have an underlying theme. It is about kicking God off of his throne. Here's another effort to do that. Not in Canada, where this is taking place with, I believe the legislation is C4, that makes it a criminal act for you to try to tell somebody that God will work in their heart and in their life and change their desires to love righteousness and not darkness when it comes to sexual sins. It could be a criminal act, a $1,000 fine per day. That's anti-God. That's anti-Bible. That's anti-Christ. This story is in Indiana. They want to pass a therapy ordinance that if you are unlicensed and you attempt to give what they call conversion therapy, which has so much baggage connected to it and isn't at all what they are doing in these counseling centers, you do that as an unlicensed counselor. In other words, we're the state. We're going to make sure that you are teaching things and helping and counseling people the way that we say so from an article that was written by it was written west lafayette city council considering an ordinance banning the use of conversion therapy the controversial practice of attempting to change a person's sexual orientation through treatment the city council in december voted to table the issue until a february meeting which is coming up guess what thousand dollar fine per day if you persist in doing that using your bible this is ordinance 3121 what this is going on in the land of the free the home of the brave one nation under god pledge allegiance one nation under god really no this is anti-god that's what this is and incidentally if you are bill o'reilly watching this highly unlikely If you have not yet been persuaded that the slope slips and it picks up steam as it goes downhill, I don't know how many more examples we need to reveal. Um, Yeah, this is where it goes. In fact, I was having a conversation just yesterday with a fellow who's not a Christian, nice guy, friend of mine, and we were talking about Elvis 
Jimmy, I don't know how that subject came up, but somehow Elvis <laughs> came up in the whole deal. <laughs> and you maybe recall seeing, because there's video of this, some guy is sitting at sort of a, a news desk. I'm not sure what the setting is. He might not have been a journalist at all, but he was a guy in a suit and tie because that's the way we used to dress when we went out in public. And he's got a record player and he takes the 45s and he smashes them. <laughs> Rock and roll has got to go. What were they concerned about back then? The wild gyrations. Elvis was not tame at all back then. He's kind of a Las Vegas novelty now, but he was deemed very sexual. And this is not going to be good for kids. And it's going to lead to all sorts of promiscuity. Drugs are going to start to be introduced. Hey, all those things actually happened. Those Puritans, those people, oh, they're on the wrong side of history in 1957. It turns out they were prophetic. The slope slips. It always does because that's the tug of sin. It always needs, wants, desires more. And it works toward more and more and more and more. But it's motivated by one sentiment, anti-God. Do we have any other examples? All righty. How's about this from USA Today? The complicated research behind. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the word is. What is kind of the leaning of this story? Um, hey, look, well, science, you know, our, our God, science, it's uh, it's just a little cloudy. We don't. This is a very complicated issue. So what? So don't make judgments. No, don't don't be judgmental. What's the subject? The complicated research behind pedophilia. Pedophilia, writes this author in USA Today. Now, I actually appreciated this article because mercifully it was short because they all are in USA Today. But this is in USA Today. This is America's newspaper. Pedophilia is viewed as among the most horrifying social ills. Guess what conjunction is next? But scientists who study the sexual disorder say it is also among the most misunderstood. Researchers who study this say the term describes an attraction, not an action, and using it interchangeably with abuse fuels misperceptions. Well, no, if you act on it, it is abuse. It's a crime, actually. But this this is this is the distinction that is being made with pedophilia that was also used, by the way, with homosexuality inside of the church. It's okay to have those thoughts, those proclivities. Just don't act on them and you're fine. Let's substitute pedophilia, homosexuality with something that I think causes us all to blanch still. Look, you can be a rapist in your heart. You can have those desires, but just don't act on them and you're, you're a good Christian. Seems ridiculous, doesn't it? One of the most significant findings is that scientists who study the disorder say pedophilia is determined in the womb. Ah, therefore, that's the way they were made. How can we possibly judge them? They were born that way. From the article, not all people who sexually abuse children are pedophiles. That's right. And some people who sexually abuse children do not prefer them, but use them as surrogate for an adult partner. They may be disinhibited and antisocial with impulse control problems. Ah, so it's a disease. It's an internal thing. It's not a heart issue. It is not a sin issue. Who could be upset with these people? Men with pedophilia have a much higher incidence of early childhood head injury. Oh, okay. 
okay, fine, then go ahead and lead, lead the kindergartners to the park. One study on diagnosed pedophiles showed they are more likely to report their mothers had received psychiatric treatment, which suggests the disorder may be influenced by genetic factors. Don't blame people. It's just pedophile. And it's a little bit confusing. No, actually, it's not. God would command everyone to repent and turn from their sinful sexual desires, whatever they are, and to eradicate them from your heart and mind. The, 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 the desire needs to be mortified. But these days, it's actually being used to say, as long as they don't act on it, no harm, no foul. Opinion piece from the San Francisco Chronicle. <laughs> Ready for bonkers? Headline, want true equity? I propose modestly forcing California parents to swap children. That's right. Coming up with a quote from Plato's Republic. Children should be possessed in common so that no parent will know his own offspring or any child his parents in order to defeat nepotism, prevent the amassing of great fortunes and create citizens loyal not to their sons, but to society. Who knew that Plato was a Marxist? That's what this is. So this author of this San Francisco Chronicle, this is a public newspaper. This is this is disseminated internationally. The rich should give their children to the poor, and the poor should give their children to the rich. Homeowners might swap children with their homeless neighbors. Um, but doesn't nepotism still happen then? It's just a different set of kids. It's just ridiculous. Now, I recognize, said the author, that some naysayers, mm -hmm, hopelessly attached to their privilege. Oh, we've got critical social theory in here. We'll dismiss such a policy as ghastly even totalitarian. Don't forget Marxist. The left's introduction of anti-racism and gender identity in school faces a bitter backlash from parents. Ending parenthood. <laughs> this, is, this, this isn't somebody sitting at a dinner party. Hey, don't tell anybody I said this, but I don't think parents should be allowed to keep their kids. They need to swap them. Boy, what government system is going to run that debacle? <laughs> okay, wait a second. My, my kid is tall. Okay, I'll take a short one. All right, my, my kid has this. Okay, they don't do. Okay, fine. Just whatever. I'll, t I'll take them because, because, because the world is anti-God. This is the thinking of the world. It's increasingly darkened. It is exceedingly foolish and we would do well to recognize and identify it as an anti-deism era because that gets to the crux of the problem and the need these people have they need the gospel nothing else is gonna do until tomorrow go serve your king <laughs>